Today's scripture reading comes from the first book of Samuel 17, verses 3 through 7 and 37 through 40. Let us read. The Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them, and there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had greaves of bronze on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and his shield bearer went before him. David said, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Daniel, for reading our scripture this morning. Good morning. How are y'all doing today? couple of thumbs up. That's good. (laughs) My name's Emily. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to be with you today on this third Sunday of our Childlike Faith series. What is childlike faith? It is faith that is not afraid to ask questions, really good questions, and lots of them. It's faith that's eager to run toward God when life hurts. It's faith that is characterized by awe and wonder and curiosity and blundering honesty. It is faith that wants to grow no matter how old the bearer of the faith is. This is the kind of faith that Jesus tells us we need to have as we grow as disciples. And so we put this series together to help us uh, learn again, step into anew this childlike sense of faith. So we're studying some of those big stories from the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. Some of those stories some of us may have heard as children and we're stepping into them again to see what God would have us hear and how we can learn again about childlike faith. The first week, we studied the story of Noah and the rainbow. Last week, it was Joshua and Jericho. Next week, Daniel and the lion's den. Today, it's the story of David and Goliath. Would you pray with me? 
holy and gracious God. May the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For you are our rock, our redeemer, our savior, and our refuge. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen and amen. Well, who doesn't love a good underdog story? As a kid, I loved the story of David and Goliath. What I loved about it was that it was about somebody short and young and scrawny going up against somebody bigger and older and stronger. A person everyone assumed would win. And spoiler alert, the little guy is the one who comes out on top. David was that little guy whom everyone assumed would lose. And since I, at the time, was short and young and scrawny, this story made me feel like I could be invincible like David too. I thought about all those times I got picked last for teams and all those times I got picked on for my stature. And I thought, well, if people look down on David and he could still win sometimes, maybe I could too. I thought that was the point of the story. Power to the scrawny, vertically challenged kids, right? (laughs) And frankly, the theme still has its appeal because I haven't grown much since then. (laughs) But as I have gotten older, I realized that I was missing the best part of the story. Let me give you a little background and we'll jump right in. You may find it interesting that in 2 Samuel chapter 21 verse 19, there is mention of someone else killing Goliath, not David, someone named Elhanan. And there are theories on the connection between these stories, and I won't try to solve that today, but I thought you might find it interesting. Our story today says in 1 Samuel 17 that David is the one who kills Goliath. And the story encompasses the whole chapter. Daniel read a portion of it for us today. And when we read this story... It sounds like in scripture, it's the first time that we meet the character David. However, in the previous chapter, 1 Samuel 16, there are two other stories introducing David to us. And it sounds like the storytellers of each are not aware of the others. That happens when stories are passed orally from generation to generation long before they are ever written down. And so we have the beauty then of this collection of stories and the whole of which teach us so much more about David. What did we learn in chapter 16? We learned in that first story there that David is the youngest son of eight born to a man named Jesse and his wife. We also learned that David is to be anointed the next king of Israel and Judah. We learn, too, that David takes care of sheep. In the second story, we learn that David is really good at playing music. 
So good, in fact, that people ask him to play for them a little like music therapy when they're having trouble. And he's brought into the court into of King Saul, the current king, to play for him when he is struggling with something as well. So, today's story. We pick up. I want to set the stage. There are two armies encamped on ridges with a valley in between. On one ridge, we have the Israelites. On the other, we have the Philistines. The Israelites were known to worship God and follow God. These are the descendants of Abraham and the people who escaped slavery in Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, wandered in the wilderness. That's who they are. On the other ridge, we have the Philistines who were a warlike, sea-faring people who worshipped Canaanite gods. They were more advanced than the Israelites were in their military organization and arms. They migrated from the Aegean Sea and settled along the coast of Palestine. The two groups throughout Scripture are rivals and enemies. And the setting of this story is some 1,200 years before Jesus. The Philistines had this great champion named Goliath of Gath. Listen to this. Let me describe him to you. Depending on which ancient text you read, he was so tall, he was either six cubits and a span, or four cubits and a span, or 16 cubits and a span. What's a cubit, you might wonder? (laughs) In ancient measurements, a cubit was the distance from the elbow all the way up to the longest, uh, the tip of the longest finger. A span was the distance from the tip of the thumb all the way to the end of the pinky, as far as you could stretch them out. So, Goliath was either, depending on which text you read, six and a half feet tall, Nine and a half feet tall or over 20 feet tall. The specifics don't matter really, right? What's the point? Goliath is tall. (laughs) Heads and shoulders above people of average height at the time. Add to that. Goliath is decked out in some impressive heavy armor. He has a helmet a coat of mail weighing 5,000 shekels or about 100 pounds. He has bronze greaves or shields on his legs and a bronze javelin like a scimitar. And if that's not enough, he has a massive spear, the head of which weighs 600 shekels or about 15 pounds. And if that's not enough, there's someone in front of him carrying a shield. What's the point? He's big, imposing, (laughs) intimidating, and so thick and muscular that he can walk around in all that heavy armor and still fight. I was thinking of uh, the NFL linebacker, Refrigerator Perry. Anybody remember him? And combine him with LeBron James. Big, I'm thinking tall and Big, someone who would be imposing and intimidating. So much so that the Israelites would be intimidated just by looking at him. And they certainly were. Goliath steps out off that ridge 
with his bravado and swagger and bombast and challenges anyone to fight him to the death. It would be a symbolic battle. If he loses, the uh, Philistines will become the servants of the Israelites. If Goliath wins, the Israelites become the servants of the Philistines. The question is, who will come and fight this giant of a man, heavily armed and heavily armored? And the answer is no one. None of the Israelites volunteer. Not even the king. Scripture says they are intimidated. They are greatly afraid. Day after day, the mighty Goliath issues his challenge. Day after day, no one takes him up on it. Meanwhile, a short, young, scrawny guy named David is sent by his father Jesse to bring supplies to his three oldest brothers who are fighting in the army of King Saul and the Israelites. David has been taking care of his father's sheep nearby, running messages and food back and forth between his dad and his brothers. And he overhears this bully Goliath issue the challenge. He sees his fellow Israelites drawing back in fear. David asks the soldiers, who does this guy Goliath think he is? Who is he to defy the armies of the living God? David's oldest brother, Eliab, overhears this and brings David over to do that older brother bossy thing. And he says, what are you doing here? I bet you left the sheep untended. Do what you are supposed to be doing. You're being nosy. Go home, baby brother. David responds, what did I do this time? (laughs) All I did was ask a question. King Saul hears about this young David, calls him over. David tells the king proudly, do not lose hope. I will fight Goliath. The king tells David, no, you won't. You're not big enough, not old enough, not enough, period. David protests, but God has helped me fight off lions and bears when they attack the sheep. And God helps me save the lambs. That same God will help me fight Goliath. Saul finally gives in. He doesn't want to fight Goliath either, remember? And he tells David, go and may the Lord be with you. But before he goes, King Saul gives him his own armor, this adult-sized armor on short, young, scrawny David, plus a helmet and a sword. (laughs) David tries to walk in all this and can't, and I picture that movie, A Christmas Story. Do you remember that when the mom puts all the winter coat and things on Ralphie's little brother, Randy, and he can't walk or move in it? That's what I picture. That awkward, though David would not have been that young. So David takes the armor off, leaves it there, gathers what he's used to having when he's taking care of sheep. A staff, five small stones, and a slingshot. A slingshot? was a weapon in those days. It was part of an army's arsenal of long-range weapons. 
Some soldiers were known to be expert slingmen, as they were called. And in the book of Judges, in the Bible, Judges chapter 20, verse 16, it mentions some 700 left-handed slingers from the tribe of Benjamin who had such dead-on accuracy they could hit a single strand of hair. A slingshot? Doesn't sound like much against all of mighty Goliath's armor. But it was a weapon at the time. Goliath sees this young, short, scrawny David coming out with his little slingshot and starts to trash talk him. (laughs) Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? I'll make roadkill out of you for the buzzards to eat. You know how trash talk goes. Goliath, I mean, David then responds right back. You come at me with all that armor. You think you're so big. I come to you in the name of God. And he adds a little trash talk of his own. David puts one stone in the slingshot. Hits Goliath squarely in the head. Goliath goes down. And then David takes Goliath's sword and cuts off his head. We left that part out when I was a kid. And Saul uh, then wants to find out who this person is, this David. Meanwhile, the Philistines have run off and the Israelites have gone off after them. King Saul calls his army commander over to find out who in the world is this David as if he hasn't just been talking to him. And he comes dragging Goliath's head in his hand. We left that part out too when I was a kid. And Saul finds out this is one of Jesse's eight sons. And the story goes on from there. So the mighty, armored, and armed Goliath is bested by David and a slingshot. What do we learn from this story when we approach it with childlike faith? When we started this series, I mentioned that some of the most helpful questions to ask when we study scripture are, what is being communicated by telling the story this way? What does the text tell us about God? What does the text tell us about ourselves? And what does it tell us about what it's like to have a relationship with God? A relationship between God and people like us. So pondering those questions, I realized what I thought of for so long as an underdog story is not really one at all. It's not about David winning. It's about God. If we focus on David so much, we miss that big piece. It's not the story of David and Goliath. It's the story of God and David and Goliath. It's about David trusting and acting in the strength of God. It is God who makes The giant fall. What do we learn about who we are? It is a humbling and very real picture of humanity. 
there are braggarts and bullies. There are people who mistakenly think their size, position, or wealth make them immune to harm. There are siblings who bicker. There are family members who are not supportive. And here's the deeper thing. There are times when the giant of a problem in front of us immobilizes and overwhelms us. And we're frightened, intimidated, and we don't know what to do. We're dead certain we aren't old enough or young enough or big enough or strong enough or in any way simply enough. Like every single soldier in that Israelite army, like the king, like everyone with an earshot of the worst that was shouted at them by Goliath. The giants we face in life. In our lives, what are they? Grief, addiction, mental illness, trauma, diagnoses, tragedies, the loss of a job, financial ruin, divorce, discrimination, heartbreak. You name it. Sometimes, right, it's like they line up and stand on the ridge directly across from us, shouting at us, daring us to move or enter the valley of it or try to take it down and dare us to do it, knowing that we probably won't. It's too big, right? Too hard too much. It's over our heads. It's too tall. It's too heavy. It's hundreds of pounds. All we see sometimes is the imposing, intimidating giant of the thing every day standing in front of us and we miss. God is there too. What's that old saying? Rather than telling God how big our problems are and getting stuck in them. What if we tell our problems how big our God is? And trust in that God and begin to move and take a step forward. Living again in faith. Here comes short, young, scrawny David. Who has enough childlike faith to believe and know that God is bigger than the giant on the ridge. It's sometimes, right? There's somebody who comes along and tries to take our focus off of God. Telling, like David, us to armor up. And sometimes we do that, right? Put on this armor or that and we walk around in our armor or somebody else's awkwardly for far too long and it doesn't fit before we finally take off the weight of self 
reliance. This story is not a put on your big girl or big boy pants kind of story. This is not a self-help, armor up kind of story. Remember, David is short and young and scrawny and that matters. Because this is an I know full well I cannot do this on my own kind of story. It's a recognition of the need for God. It's a story of vulnerability. It's a story that says, I know every time I have been able to fight the lions and the bears, it was not on my own. It's that kind of story. And so we enter the valley in between the ridges. And the strength of the name of the Lord. Because it is God who gives us strength we do not have on our own. It is God who empowers. God gives us courage. God helps us. That is our only hope. And the only thing that stands. The test of time. Our job Our privilege is to trust in this God who does what we cannot do. Have a relationship with that God. That is the beauty of childlike faith. The giants who line up on the ridge are not bigger than the living almighty God we know and love and serve and worship. David was confident in that. Not his own skill with a slingshot. He knew he belonged to God no matter what. That is childlike, beautiful faith. And Lord, give me more of it, please. Let us trust in God as we take that next step to face whatever it is we need to face. Is it an underdog story? No. Not really. There is no underdog to it. When David comes in the name of the living God, God is bigger than the giant. Every single time. Thanks be to God for that. Amen and amen.